incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Yoj. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Boldly go where no man has gone before. And welcome to the Computer Museum Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Video creator, nerd, actor, podcaster, pop culture business analyst, and co-host of Nerdpreneur Podcast, it's Frank Bailey. Yeah! <laughs> thank you thank you todd thank you for having me pleasure oh, to be thanks. here as thanks always thanks for coming on man how you doing buddy i'm doing really well yeah doing really good thanks how are you i'm very well i'm staying uh i'm i stay i stay busy i had somebody <laughs> the other day was like hey when you've got a minute and i cut them off mid-sentence yeah I right like, i never have a minute never, i'll make ever, it ever ever <laughs> i'll make the minutes but boy do i not seem to have any right now Oh yeah, exactly. Oh man. But yeah, um, you know, you've got a very interesting, I mentioned it in the, in the preview for this episode in our last episode, uh, a title that I, I have apparently coined. Yes. You, I've never is, heard it before and I love is, it. Yeah. Pop culture business analyst. Like, first of all, so cool. But I mean, a lot of that kind of stems out of your podcast, Nerdpreneur, if give me give me the elevator pitch. For yeah. Nerdpreneur. So Nerdpreneur on Nerdpreneur, we interview people who have nerdy passions and they turn those into money making businesses. And that's essentially what we do. That's kind of the bread and butter. And that's what uh, Chris, my co-host and I really enjoy. And then of course, we also have just discussions between Chris and I that get super nerdy, such as, you know, it's very Dungeons and Dragons related or just ways to stay motivated on your goals and, or books that we love all kinds of stuff. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you had me on recently and I got to kind yes. of unload a bunch of my random stories from oh, Star Trek so and comedy and other uh, veins in my life. Uh, but if yeah, you're, I had if an your listeners blast. don't know, if your listeners don't know, you are a wealth of stories and they're <laughs> usually hilarious. And if they're not hilarious, they're very insightful and full of wisdom. And oh. I mean, like that is what I really love for us to get to on our show is the, the nuggets of wisdom is what I like to call them, the golden nuggets of wisdom. Oh, and yeah. uh, you had so many that reviewing it later is going to be who that's going to be fun. It, actually, who knows? Maybe by the time this one goes out that'll uh have been aired as well so folks could listen so, to it yeah. there yeah yeah this uh, i tend to record pretty far ahead you know you know pulling mm-hmm. back the curtain on podcast production you always kind of want to stay ahead of your schedule because you never yeah. know a guest might have something come up and have to back out or you know uh, something might happen on my end i get sick or you know we have to travel for something or whatever you know all that stuff happens like how how have you guys what were your early steps that you took to set up your own 
nerdy business, that of a podcast. What what were the initial discussions? What were the initial notes that you took to kind of get this thing, to get this ball rolling? Right. How, well, how did you make that happen? It's actually really, I to me, it's a really unusual story because the... I've done a bunch of different, you know, enterprises, but a ching, uh, I've done a bunch of different things that have been solo or with a couple friends. And for one reason or another, it fizzles out, you know, I burn out or my friends are like, eh, this isn't really what I'm interested in doing anymore. My priorities are elsewhere. And so this was the first time that actually Chris, I didn't know him. And, and he was just like, Hey man, actually, hold on. Let me back up. So Chris and I first met through a random acquaintance that I met through an old roommate that I didn't really know very well. So this old roommate (laughs) knew that I liked D&D. He didn't care for D&D, but he connected me with someone else that did. And then that person was in a D&D group with Chris and I played with them one time. And Chris and I had really good like role play immersion. We were so into it. And then he said, hey, man, like this was probably a year later. And, and it was all online during COVID. So I didn't really know him very well. And he says, Hey, you seem like you've got this kind of interest. I kind of want to do a podcast. Let's talk. So anyway, whole point of this is that Chris, what stands out to this in the beginning is that Chris kind of took a leap as did I. And he said, I want to do a podcast. And we threw around some ideas and then we landed on the concept of Nerdpreneur. And I was like, man, that sounds really cool. We could meet awesome people. We can talk nerdy stuff. And then we can see where it goes. And he was like, yeah, totally. How about this for a name, Nerdpreneur? And coming up with a name is always the hardest part. And he just just pulled it out of thin air. And I was like, oh, this is too good. This is meant to be. This is going to happen. Let's do it. And so, yeah, I loved it. And uh, in the beginning, it was really hard to get the gears going of like what it was going to really look like. But you know, Chris and I have managed to complement each other really well in the beginning. It was, it was tough. It was a little, you know, risky. Cause like I said, we didn't know each other, but um, to this day, we have fallen into our roles really smoothly, I think. Yeah. And I, I got the sense that you guys have a really good back and forth uh, in terms of your life experience, but also interviewing technique and interaction with a guest uh, again, thanks as, as a former guest perspective, that's, that's high praise. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it is a lot of fun to see, you know, I, I feel like younger nerds are very territorial. It's kind of like, you, you gotta, you gotta pick a camp, Star Wars, Star Trek, DC, yeah. Marvel, uh, D and D Pathfinder. You, you, you know, you gotta pick a camp. As you get older, a lot of that stuff goes away where I'm at the place now where it's kind of like, I'll read Marvel. I love Batman. You know, I, <laughs> I, I yeah. obviously have a Star Trek podcast, but I had Star Wars on all day yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm D&D, there with you. Yeah, I, I'm a big D&D guy, but that's only because I haven't found anybody to play Pathfinder with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, well, yeah. I I can't help you on the Pathfinder, but I know I can help you on the Star Trek Adventures. Oh, that. yes. That that's an interesting discussion that I am actually going to save for the after show. So folks, Ooh, okay. if you have if you have not become a Patreon supporter of of Computer Resume podcast, please consider 
you know, buying us a cup of coffee once a month. It really goes a long way, truly. Uh, And you'll get to hear extended conversations and maybe even get your name in the, uh, in the show as well. But yeah, so let's, let's go back. We've kind of, you know, we've talked about uh, Nerdpreneur and your, your work on the show, but let's go back to Star Trek for a second. Mm. Um, Since that's why we're here. Uh, Where, where and when did your Star Trek fandom take root? Was it, were you single digits? Were you in high school, college? Were you introduced to it by a friend or relative or anything like that? Do you have an earliest Star Trek memory? Yeah, I love this question because nobody ever asks me this in life. Nobody ever asks me, when did you start loving Star Trek? Oh, what a great (laughs) question. Uh, Yeah, no, I was a kid. My parents started me. My dad watched Star Trek when he was, oh, by the way, sometimes I say Star Trek instead of Star Trek. And my, so that'll slip, that'll slip out. There's um, no gatekeeping here. We love, oh, we love all kinds of, tra- of, of trekkers. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. So uh, it started because I was probably four or five. Um, my parents watched a little bit of the original series. My dad definitely did. And he loved it. It was the first time, you know, that that sci-fi really made its way onto the onto the TV screen. Um, you know, Doctor Who, you know, was in there, too, and some others. But yeah, so. Uh, right. So pretty much my dad and my mom started me off watching that. But the thing was, we didn't have cable. We didn't have television. So we had a TV, but they got their parents, my grandparents to record it for us all the way up into the end of Voyager. So they were doing this from TNG, Deep Space Nine to Voyager. But keep in mind, like, they were inconsistent as they recorded it onto VHSs. They were inconsistent in like, okay, the you know the chronological order of things. It was okay. Mm-hmm. We know Star Trek is on, so we're going to record it for them because they like it, and yeah. and it was super helpful. And sometimes they they'd throw in like a kid show for me or something like Sesame Street. Um, and besides Sesame Street, it's Star Trek Voyager. You know, like it was <laughs> it was really good. Pretty. Pretty widespread across that uh, across but that uh, they were spectrum both, of entertainment. <laughs> they were teaching me my ABCs, you know, array, uh, Boolean, and uh, Cardassian. Thank there you, you Thank you for helping me. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Um, yeah, so it started there, and then I came back to it later in high school. Rewatched the shows, you know, cringed at times, you know, cried at other times with joy. And, and then um, now, uh, yeah, I'm totally all the way back in with this new revival. I am just huh, up to my neck in it and loving it. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the inciting incident of mm. the of New Trek, which was J.J. Abrams 2009 film. Oh, uh, God. This, oh, I might cry. It was yeah, so at, good. <laughs> yeah. At this point, um, you know, Trek had been off the air for a good four or five years. And uh, and then we get this we get this in my in my humble opinion, one of the best teaser trailers ever made which was that first under construction uh teaser trailer for the 2009 film which you you don't it's you hear one person say one line of trek everything else you are watching the ship being built and you're hearing you're hearing uh you know uh 
uh, Neil Armstrong, you're he you're hearing uh, JFK, you're hearing parts of these speeches and stuff, you know, throughout history leading up to the reveal that little light flickers on and you see USS Enterprise. Oh, you just and, gave me chills. Yeah, yeah. And then you hear, and then you hear, oh, Leonard Nimoy, space, the final frontier. And, oh. <laughs> and that's it. It goes to black and says under construction in that classic Star Trek font. Oh. And just every nerd was just like, oh, what is happening? I um, never will forget yeah i was i was hitting refresh on that website I'll, tell me more oh, yeah yeah and i you know, i recently talked with uh ian ramsey who does star wrecked on youtube he does star trek parody music videos and they are Whoa. an absolute blast yeah it's a lot of fun i need if to you, watch that yeah, if you like Star Trek and you like funny music, I, it, he is he is Star Trek's Weird Al. It's it he's oh. awesome. But we talked about sound design and what an impact it was in that 2009 movie. So, uh, you know, amongst everything that's happening in that movie, what were your initial thoughts? And then we'll move into New Trek proper. What did you think well, of JJ? Yeah, movie? I have to first. Yeah, that moment you. Thank you. God, that was such a re great capturing of that. And I actually completely forgot that teaser. And you just really took me back. Like, what was this 15 <laughs> years ago? Because, yeah. okay, so it was at a time where I was desperate for more Star Trek. I had just probably at that time, just rewatched Deep Space Nine uh, pretty much all the way through. Um, and Star Trek Online, the computer game was coming out. And I was hungry for that game, but I had a rule. I wouldn't do it while I was in school and I was in college at the time. So I was just, just waiting for the summer and watching all the like gameplay footage I could on YouTube. Yeah. And my partner at the time, you know, was supportive of how Trekkie I was. Um, and she just, I remember her just saying, you are so excited about this. I have to be there in the movie theater when you watch it. And, and I was like, yeah. And I, and I remember going to see it with her in the theater and I cried in the opening, like the opening with the song. And I mean, I still, and so when I was an actor regularly, I would use Hans Zimmerman's, uh, or Hans Zimmer's um, score to help me get into really emotional stuff yeah. because it was just so good yeah, and really, really powerful stuff. And that movie was, it was very good. I really loved what they did. Um, the entire cast just slayed it. They just did such a good job. Yeah. Um, I was, my, my socks were knocked off by that movie. And I mean, one thing that's easy to, to identify for myself is I won't knock a movie unless it's real bad. Um, but I will pick at small things and I just couldn't find a lot in that movie even re-watching yeah. it years later i was like this movie holds up just fine to be yeah because I, I went and listened to the director's commentary which i think he uh jj sits there with i want to say another one of the producers maybe one of the writers and probably one of the special effects supervisors it, I, mm. again i'm trying Ooh, to remember their special but... effects were so cutting edge that was so fun but once they break it down, you kind of, and you kind of see how the sausage is made, you know, typically that kind of takes away some of the magic of it. Yeah. Not so much with, with 
09 Star Trek, like it's still really? like really, really solid. Even when they tell you like, okay, this shot of Chris Pine running into the cave is actually a child that we just dressed up in the same because we were actually able to use a smaller set and it was cheaper. <laughs> like, oh, whoa. But when you watch it, you'd never know. You'd uh -uh. never know. There's a shot where, um, uh, you know, after Scotty falls from that pipe onto the floor, at, you know, after he's been traveling in the tubes, that's a stunt man. But if you notice the camera pans around and one of the pipes crosses in front of the camera, when the pipe crosses in front of the camera, that's the cut yeah. of the footage. It's very subtle. But if you mm. know, you kind of like, oh, okay, I saw it. Um, yes. Still, it looks like Simon Pegg falling out of the ceiling. It does. Like, it yeah. just looks so good. And you, you you're just, absolutely right. Like, the cast knocks it out of the park. It just, it fires on all cylinders, man. Yeah, you just reminded me, actually, the firing on all cylinders, especially. Like, their new effects and sound for phasers were so cool. I was Wonderful. so into that. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, how come we haven't seen that? Like, the closest thing it comes to was the Defiant. And that's not even really the same thing. Yeah. Gosh, that was so cool. There were so many small things that they did in that movie that I just was like, I had to see it again in theaters. And I did probably yeah. two more times. Yeah, yeah. It, it was wonderful. And it clearly set the stage for New Trek, what is considered New Trek, um, starting in 2017 with Discovery and then going on into Picard and Lower Decks and Prodigy and I'm forgetting one, uh, Strange New Worlds and winding up, you know, with the most current one, which is Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Um, what were your initial thoughts when you first sat down to watch Star Trek Discovery? I was skeptical, um, of course, mm -hmm. uh, because, it, you know, historically, every Star Trek series, the first season's not that great. Um, uh -huh. And so I was afraid, like, okay, historically, you know, as a historian or at least someone who studied it for a bit, you know, mm -hmm. we look at the trends and that informs us a lot. Yeah. Um, and that was <clears throat> quickly uh, the trailer with Michelle Yeoh was like, I love everything she touches. Yeah. And I was immediately like, okay, this is going to be good. I don't know any of these other people. But like, I'm really excited for her. Like, I have yet to see something with her that's not good. Yeah. Um, and I was like, but this could be that thing, you know. And so anyway, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the story that they were telling the that they were carrying the J.J. Abrams kind of vibe. Because, you know, it's like that chrome colored kind of bridge set. And I was like, this is more futuristic for us. I like this. We did not need to stick with, you know, Voyager's bridge. We didn't need to stick with those L cars or I don't know how you say that, but that's how I see it in text. Yeah. 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 Um, you're right. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I actually really liked it. Um, I ended up really enjoying it, but I still felt like discovery was odd that it was focusing on really one hero. Um, and I knew that they were discovering a new serial kind of formula. And yeah. I was like, okay, like I'll follow along on this. Like they're exploring it just as we are as an audience. I'm fine with that. Like, let's try something new. Um, but I gotta say, like, that was something that, you know, as the show went on, I tried to kind of like, see how I felt. I'm not going to like spoil anything, but I just, that's kind of what held me up in season one. Cause you know, now, you know, you're, you're chronologically in season two. So yeah. 
season one, it didn't change a lot. So okay. it's pretty much focused on her and the people in her life. And I really wanted us to focus more on the bridge crew that was there. And there was a little bit of that. There was like the um, the woman who had the android face. Um, Arium, yeah. Yeah. You know, she we got a great episode on her because it was very relevant to the story and plot. Mm-hmm. And, and that was interesting. Uh, I really liked it. And we got to see Saru, a lot of Saru's background, which was very interesting. Doug Jones is amazing. Yeah. We have showered him with praise on this show. He's great. <laughs> I'm so glad he's still around. I totally thought yeah. he was going to quit because of the amount of uh, work that, you know, the makeup and prosthetic that has to go on. Yeah. But he stuck around. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at it, uh, you know, we've we've analyzed it uh, pretty much every time we've talked about Discovery, uh, that in addition to it being the new show, and I think JJ's movie kind of gave Paramount, CBS, Star Trek permission to sort of think outside the box and to sort of think, you know what, JJ's stuff was really different from the last mm-hmm. thing we saw, which was in the timeline Voyager in overall Star Trek was Enterprise. Um, You know, so it kind of gave them permission to be like, you know what, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's try some stuff. And clearly people like the style of what they just saw in theaters. So let's add a little bit of that to it. We can do that. And it did give them uh, a new look at this at the time, uh, you know, 55 year old franchise. I mean, we're coming up, we're right around the corner from the 60th anniversary. Um, oh, right. Yeah. It's, it's bearing down on us, man. Huh. Uh, but you know, that was the interesting thing. Narratively looking at discovery. Yes, it is the name of the ship, but it is also kind of the underlying theme of the show and the characters' paths, their journeys, they are all on journeys of discovery. Um, Burnham is on a journey to rediscover her humanity. Saru is on a journey of discovery of everything. He's the first Kelpian <clears throat> in Starfleet, so everything is new to him. If you go, if you go character by character, you really see that they are on journeys of discovery in not only in their personal lives, but with everything that they're doing on the ship, this is kind of, this is a new adventure. And that's kind of the underlying theme for the fans is kind of like, Hey, we're trying something new and we're going to discover whether or not it works. One of the things that they did, which it was great uh, in my opinion, in fact, it ended too soon was short treks, the short films that kind of add a little extra oomph they give it a little zhuzh and here we get uh we get a really interesting short trek that isn't focused on the crew of the discovery but it is focused on someone who plays a prominent role in season two and that is the character of captain pike we see him interacting with a young ensign Uh, I will say under duress until we get into spoiler territory (laughs) and uh, we get to see the kind of man that Pike is in a very short amount of time. What were your initial thoughts? Again, trying to stay spoiler free as much as we can here. um, What were your initial thoughts about this short trek? Ask not. Oh, without spoilers. Um, It's tough. I know. (laughs) I, especially because that might be the hardest like, question I've asked you with, so far. <laughs> yeah, a nine and a half minute, you know, with credits short. Um, I 
it felt scrappy. Like it, you know, we're, we're kind of getting spoiled at this point chronologically with, you know, the episodes, we're getting a little spoiled at how nice they look, you know, and how, how the, the shots are taken in a very particular way. Um, and this deviated from that a little bit. And I, and I, you know, we'll get into that when, when you break down, like who worked on it. And, uh, but that was, that's, that's my first thing. My second thing is anything with, I don't want to get his name wrong. Anything with Anson Mount. I, yes. Sign me up. He's, yeah. I mean, he is an amazing Pike. Yeah. Oh, really, my, truly. God. Yeah. I mean, strange new worlds <laughs> is my favorite. It, it's so I've, I've said this about strange new worlds. Um, it is better than it has any reason to be like yes. it, that, that show should not be that good. It, and it really is. <laughs> I am so excited for when you start talking about that show. Like Me too. I, I, Oh my God. The uh, just, just the every, like the criticism I just said about discovery, strange new worlds, you know, fixed it, you know, yeah. everyone is, is a main character. Yeah. And and I love that. And plus, I really identify with that Spock, uh, Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really identify with him on like a very personal level. But the um, <clears throat> as far as this episode, love Pike. Love how they changed things up from like a director of photography perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, without spoiling the story, I very much appreciated the story and how it showed Pike because I don't think we see the other character come back so you would know not, better than not me. yet <laughs> yeah so, yeah, yeah there there there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack with uh the folks that are on screen and behind the camera uh but yeah you know because this is a short there's only so much we really can say without getting into uh the nitty-gritty so let's just go ahead and let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters rev j jerry antimano cosmic crit Kitty B and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yellow alert. This is Ops to Inventory 2. Starbase 28 is under attack. This is Inventory 2 to Ops. Can anyone give me a status report? responsibility are we clear yes sir what happened mutiny he doesn't get out of this room understood understood sir why the mask crew doesn't need to see that this guy turned can we trust you with this intelligence miss Sidu? can you do this are you clear absolutely sir Unmasked, the prisoner is revealed to be Pike. He orders Sidu to open comms so he can know what's going on with the battle. 
Sidhu points out he's a prisoner and therefore can't order a happy meal. The starbase is hit again. Pike points out that their emergency takes precedence. She tells him to take a seat and STFU. He explains that several hours ago, the Enterprise picked up a distress call from the USS Bowman, and therefore, she must set him free. Sidhu says that she's not willing to risk a court-martial. Pike continues that an admiral aboard the ship sent an encrypted hail to the Enterprise, alerting them that the Tholians had commandeered the Bowman. The Tholians set a trap to catch the flagship of the Federation. The Admiral ordered Pike to steer clear because they couldn't risk letting the Enterprise fall into the hands of the Tholians. Pike felt that he couldn't abandon the crew of the Bowman, so he mounted a rescue anyway. After getting the Admiral out, she aborted the rescue mission and then relieved Pike of duty for disobeying a direct order. The Starbase is hit yet again. All right! Sidhu surmises that the Tholians must have followed Enterprise to Starbase 28. Pike appeals to her emotions by reminding her that she has family on the Bowman. He says that he remembers her file because she applied for a spot in engineering aboard the Enterprise. Her husband was assigned to the Bowman. She was assigned to Starbase 28. Pike says that he remembers that she and her husband were the only two survivors from the Tholian attack on Beryllium just a few years ago. He again appeals to her emotions by saying if she lets him go, they can mount another rescue attempt, and she can ensure her husband survives the Tholians again. Sidhu is tempted, but eventually says no, and that she'll follow protocol. Pike begins challenging her orders with loopholes, starting with Regulation 191, Article 14. which states that when in combat, command falls to the vessel with tactical superiority. Enterprise, not the starbase. Sidhu says that none of it matters because the Admiral relieved him of duty. Pike points out that she can enact the Reserve Activation Clause, which states that an officer in good standing can reinstate a discharged officer in cases of emergency. She affirms that this is the rule, but dismisses it out of hand because it's a loophole, which is not her style. Sidhu then counters with Directive 010, which states that before engaging in battle, any and all attempts to achieve a non-military resolution must be made. Pike asks, you want to negotiate with the bastards using torpedoes on us? But Sidhu remains grounded and says, tactical force is always the last resort and vengeance should never be a factor. Pike takes offense at her implication that he's not principled and says, I am all for arguing principles, but that crew is in mortal danger. She says that her husband knew what he signed up for when he joined Starfleet, and so did she. Pike gives her a direct order to release him, which she again refuses with a firm no. Pike cites Regulation 208, Paragraph 2 which overrides the orders of her senior officers. She rebuts by telling him that regulation only applies to an active captain, which he no longer is. Pike promises to remember all this, saying he'll make sure she never sets foot on a starship again. As he walks to the door to exit, she yells for him to step away from the door, charges her phaser, and points it at him. Pike calls out to number one that he's seen enough, noting that Sidhu is very good. He tells Sidhu that she did great and powers down the simulation. Uh? 
Pike reassures her, saying her husband is fine, none of it was real, and she's just won a brand new car. Pike acknowledges the extreme nature of the test and is pleased with her commitment to Starfleet, even when her family was threatened. Old wounds were triggered and loopholes were presented. They beam over to the Enterprise and are welcomed aboard by Number One and Spock. Pike tells her that she'll be serving aboard the Enterprise for the rest of the semester, explaining that her initial rejection was also part of the test in the approval process. Pike takes her to engineering and tells her, in battle, any crew member may be faced with a life-or-death choice, but if you can hold on to yourself like you did today, you'll be just fine. I don't care! Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited to tell you about this. Hey folks, it's your old pal Mr. Todd A. Davis here from the Computer Resume Podcast. Get ready to boldly go where, well, thousands have gone before. It's TrekFest 38! Yay! June 23rd and 24th in Riverside, Iowa. Hey! Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Come enjoy all kinds of free activities for you and your whole family. This year's event will feature Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine, some of the best bands in the area on the Riverside Casino and Golf Resort sponsored main stage, food, drinks, and yours truly will be doing some hosting and emceeing. I'll be upset if you don't come get a selfie with me. For more info about this year's Trek Fest, visit them on Facebook at Riverside Trek Fest or on the web at trekfest.org. That's T-R-E-K-F-E-S-T dot org. Riverside isn't just where the best begins, it's where Trek begins. Now, back to the show. So, yeah, it turns out this was all a big ruse. Uh, uh, they kind of pulled the rug out from under the feet of of this, uh, this young ensign. Uh, Cadet. I think. Yeah, actually. this cadet. Yeah, this cadet, Sidhu. Um, just to stay in theme, because they're correcting each other constantly, you know. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to just had to correct you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> but I mean, she's kind of presented with this, you know, hey, we need you to make an important decision right now. Have you been in a position yourself where it was just kind of Going along, da, da 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 Here it is. Oh, I have to make this very important decision right now. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? Uh, all the time. Um, uh, probably not on those stakes, like that feel mm. on that level where my, you know, superior someone. I mean, you could see how much she admired him. Like when the mask yeah. was removed, you could see like the actor. She did a great job. Um, uh, let's see. I want to get her name. It is Amrit, Amrit Kerr. Kerr. Yeah. 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 Amrit Kerr did a really great job, I think, of, of showing the, the struggle. And that is what we all cared about. That's, that's what keeps us through this entire short is her struggle. Like, what is going to happen? What is she going to do? Yeah. And, and she did such a good job of, of like, she and the director, uh, the director Sanji Senaka or Seneca. Yeah. Uh, they both did a great job just making sure that we cared and yeah. and taking us through. I mean, Star Trek has done a really good job lately of making sure that we care. But um, Very true. So, yeah. Yeah. So as far as uh, me being through something like that, I think 
in some ways there was so one example is in my everyday when i'm making videos and i'm behind the camera and i have to direct the actors i have to direct the lighting and the camera and i have to do everything uh aside from the acting part um that's a lot because we're on a time constraint uh or on my podcast sometimes you got to be willing to like you know you know like off off the cuff you got to always yeah. be on on the on point there but i think the most interesting story that really comes to mind is back when i was in high school um oh god i feel like uh this was probably in my senior year i was in charge of our talent show and uh oh. and i was also the mc because i was in acting so i was like hey you know i can mc this thing keep it going while i also am controlling it behind the curtain too with yeah. you know a whole crew of people and um one of our uh one of our acts uh, had a technical problem and they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. So we had to buy time to see if it could get fixed. And if not, we were going to move on to the next one. So nobody else was like, I didn't, I was terrified. I didn't want the audience just like thinking that, you know, shit had hit the fan and that we couldn't do this, but also we, the people, the, the faculty who had let us do this recently were pissed at our student body government, which I was a part of because something else had gone horribly wrong just a week before that was put together by the student body. Yeah. And so this was kind of my chance to kind of redeem things. So there was this pressure from above, from a higher ups, from people that I needed to impress to show that we could keep our stuff together. And yeah. then there was also this immediate pressure of an audience, you know, wanting to, uh, um, you know, make sure that they would stay. And then there was the pressure of everyone behind the curtain that was like, oh my God, what do we do? And then yeah. there was my pressure of, of just like all of these things. And so I said, you know what? I'll go out on stage and I'll, I'll, I'll buy us time, you know, fix. And I like looked at like the team behind the curtain. I was like, fix it. I'll buy us time. And so I get on stage and I'm like trying to like do a stand up bit essentially. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it, it crashed and burned, but it was a great experience. I mean, crashed and burned is how I felt. To be honest, I think, people were laughing. We all had fun. It was silly. Uh, they all knew what was going on. And then uh, I get, you know, it turns out that after five minutes, five long grueling minutes, uh -huh. they couldn't fix the technical stuff. So we just had to move on to the next act. So that's <laughs> probably the closest. However, I didn't have a gun in my hand. And yeah, like, uh, like this character did. So well, uh, from my experience, this goes back to my law enforcement days, my very early law enforcement days. I was working Ooh. as a guard at the local county jail, and uh, we, we were in one of the housing units, which we call pods, and there were uh, 48 individual cells with roughly three inmates per cell. Hmm. Uh, so if you do some quick math, that's a, a little lot. over it's a little over 140 inmates. Uh, hmm. I was working with, I was working with a senior officer who said, Hey, uh, I got to go check on something or other you do, you know, this paperwork that has to be done every shift, blah, 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 blah. Start, start the paperwork. I'll be back in a minute. Okay. No problem. It was third shift. All, all the inmates are in their cells. Doors are locked. Nothing's going on. No problem. All I have to do is sit here and just, and do this paperwork. So I'm working. And then I, I hear something that is not uh sleeping inmates and i look up and there is someone in an orange jumpsuit who is uh walking along the top tier 
uh, banging on doors, uh, taking the phone and smashing the phone uh, that's on the wall, everything. And I, um, you know, I put my pencil down and say, hey, you know, hey, return to your cell, the, the, you know, go through the whole thing. And they're not paying me any mind at all. And that's when I noticed a second individual in an oh. orange jumpsuit doing the same thing on the bottom level. I'm like, oh my gosh, like how did, what, what is happening right now? So finally I go and I approach the inmate that's on the top floor and um, they're not, they're not stopping and they're starting to wake up the inmates. And again, I'm outnumbered almost 150 to one. <laughs> wow. I get to that first inmate and finally, and they're not paying. So finally grab his shoulder, turn him around. And it's my sergeant, my sergeant oh. in, a, in a uniform. And he goes, hey, Davis, you're my hostage. And I go, oh, it's a drill. And I realized oh. I, had, I had made the wrong call. And so it was all in good fun. Nobody got hurt. Oh, uh, but, it, you know, I played I played the hostage for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the drill. And it was just kind of a dumb, you know, all I could do. People were like, Davis, what were you doing? And all I could do was just shake my head. I was like. I had no idea. They did it so well. I had no idea that they were, they had snuck in. They had gotten keys from the main control room and were able to sneak into the, to the housing unit. They were able to sneak into the pod from the, from the, uh, from the stairwell. And they did it so well. I didn't even know they were there. Wow. And, yeah. It was Yeah, wild. They managed to pull that one over you. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And uh, I, I learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> I was like, well, what should I have done? I was like, look, you got inmates out that are, you know, causing a problem and you're here by yourself. They're like, hit the panic button, go lock yourself in the thing. And you've got a radio, start calling for help. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> Again, <laughs> this was very early in my law enforcement career, but it was just kind of like, oh yeah, you got to stop. You got to think. And that kind of leads me to my next point. This cadet is not a dummy. She's she's not stupid. Like she's able right. to quote, you know, the rules of federation, the different the different uh nuances. Yeah, the different nuances again and goes right because Pike does too. And they go back and forth and he plays on her emotions and uh, you know, basically it was like, hey, look, your family's in trouble. They're on that ship. You know, you've got a, a husband on that ship help me save them, like appealing to her and then eventually threatening her and threatening her career yeah. with all of this stuff. I think this might be one of the first times, at least to this degree, that we see something like this where most of the time, if a captain is in duress, you're, you're actually right to go with your captain and to do to do that. But this is one of these first instances where it's like, no, she adheres to the rules. She adheres to all of the things. And thank God she ends up <laughs> picking the right, the right um, course of action. Uh, but do you have any thoughts about the story itself kind of pulling the rug out from under us as the audience? Because we've been trained. It's like, oh, you go with the captain. You go with Kirk. You go with Picard. You go with Cisco. You go with Janeway. And in this instance, you don't. Yeah, it's a great example of of like what you just said, we've seen it so many other places. I mean, in the, you know, the new Picard show, it is, I mean, yeah, there have, there are people, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there are people that start to 
you know, the writers do a really good job of, of jabbing at that and kind of, you know, having various characters, you know, criticize him for having this cowboy attitude. We, we normally, you know, talk about how Kirk is the cowboy, yeah. but really they're all taking a page from Kirk. Like, like you just said, Cisco, Jean-Luc and Janeway. So I really did actually like that, you know, and that's one of the things I really like about Pike is that, you know, he is, he's lawful good. You know, yeah. he he recognizes that there is an order to things, but he also is so compassionate. I actually think that his compassion is his greatest strength. Um, and uh, he is able to, and he actually shows that a little bit in this short even, which was so cool. When he mentions like, I mean, you have family uh, on, on that ship. His look, he genuinely looked like he couldn't recall what the family was and then when he's when she said husband you see this moment of pain on his face and and there's this moment where i mean i interpret that as he actually forgot that it was her husband and he suddenly feels sick to his stomach that he's putting her through this duress and he's like because his compassion he feels that you know i'm i almost feel like he should be half betazoid he has such a strong ability to empathize with with people um as part of his strength but yeah i think that this was a strong element um of uh of just the way that you know star trek is changing and and i god i really love how the show is emphasizing emotional awareness and emotional Mm. intelligence more i mean he says I think he actually says, well, uh, maybe I'm spoiling too much with Strange New Worlds. But the point is, is that people start to focus more on emotional intelligence as these shows go on. And that is something I very much appreciate. Yeah. uh, You know, looking at Pike's first day on Discovery, he has to go to the bridge and they pull up his entire service record on the screen. And he's like, hey, you know what? Go ahead. Leave it up there. Let's take a look. And he points out (laughs) all of his strengths and a lot of his weaknesses and says, hey, I know you're concerned, but I'm not Lorca. This short kind of shows the level of commitment that he expects out of his crew and the lengths at which he's willing to go to get it, which seem pretty extreme. But at the same time, he acknowledges how extreme it is. And empathizes you just got done saying he clearly empathizes and at the same time feels that that loyalty should be rewarded it's kind of nice to say hey look we're all good here it was this was part of the test this was part of your acceptance onto the enterprise your husband's safe he's on his way we've actually arranged for you to take some leave yeah this was really this was really tough um that it was it, it's a it's a nice moment as opposed to Lorca who's like chairs no chairs like <laughs> <laughs> but you know that was kind of nice to see like Pike's Pike's very good at his job and he's very empathetic but he's not a softy he knows what it takes to get the job done and he's talking about hey look war is not going to take it as easy as I just did and if you think this was easy Welcome to the war. Like <laughs> there's people yes. out there that want to kill us. Um, and, and again, I always have to point out they are scientists. <laughs> they mm-hmm. are scientists. Yes, there are red shirts, but at the end of the day, 
Starfleet is scientists, top right. to bottom. <laughs> That's so, such a good point. What you say about how he's not a softy. I mean, I but he does. I mean, again, that that compassion at the end. You know, he gets real stern. He pulls yeah. out all kinds of maneuvers to try and persuade. Um, and then at the end, you know, that really forceful push, and then the gun is pointed at him. And uh, and then, you know, I'm immediately thinking about how at the end when she asks if it was a real phaser and he just doesn't want to answer her. Like, he doesn't want to burden her with that. And yeah. so he just leaves. And and that's, I mean, gosh, I mean, could sing praises for a long time about that person's yeah. character, you know, I mean. Yeah, there's so many great things that are revealed about these characters. And I feel like a lot of that stuff is reflected in other characters, like I just said, you know, we get to see Pike here in a very short clip, but when juxtaposed with Lorca, you get even more insight. And again, everybody involved in this just knocked it out of the park. And so as we do every week, lovingly, when we talk about these people, you always have to ask the question, who do we blame? This episode was written by Kalinda Vasquez, whose first credit was as Brian Grazer's assistant on The Cat in the Hat back in 2003. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Uh, her first writing credit was 28 episodes of Prison Break from 2007 to 2009. Uh, she's got credits on Human Target, Nikita, Once, Runaways, Fear the Walking Dead, a lot of nerd cred there, actually. Uh, but this is her first script in the franchise, but not her last. This episode was directed by Sanji Sanaka, whose first credit is actually music video. Uh, he's known as a music video director. I'm just going to go ahead and put that on Front Street. His first music video was The Far Side, Passing Me By, which is from 1993. I'm not exactly familiar with that. Uh, but he went on to work with Lauren Hill, Mary J. Blige, Tori Amos, Seal, The Roots, Jesse McCartney, J-Lo, Common, Alanis Morissette, Nelly, and Ashanti. So it was interesting to see that this is actually his first thing on his resume that isn't a music video. But, you know, that's great, honestly. <laughs> this is his first directing in the franchise. And in terms of guest stars, it's uh, pretty slim here, but we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Red Shirt. Security officer number one, played by Steve Boyle. Uh, his first credit is season one, episode 21 of Earth, Final Conflict from 1998. Uh, the episode titled Destruction. Uh, Earth, Final Conflict is interesting because it was uh, created by Gene Roddenberry. Uh, he also was in season two, episode 12, Mutant X, uh, the episode titled At Destiny's End. And then he would go on to do 11 episodes of Show Me Yours from 2004 to 2005, playing the role of Gavin. He appeared in Nikita, Flashpoint, Supernatural, Designated Survivor, and Titans. Uh, but this is his first appearance in the franchise. Hopefully we get to see him again. He didn't meet his uh, typical red shirt end, so there's a chance we could run into him again down the road. And of course, we have Amrit Carr as Cadet Thera Sidhu. Uh, her first credit was season one, episode 10 of American Gothic. Uh, my parents loved American Gothic. Uh, the episode titled The Veteran in the New Field. 
uh, alongside Uber Trek fan Virginia Madsen. Virginia, if you end up hearing this, please, please, please come on the show. We would love to talk to you about Star Trek. Uh, Amrit would also go on to do 20 episodes of Anarchali from 2015, playing the character of Roop. Uh, but this is her first appearance in the franchise. But currently, uh, she's got 21 episodes under her belt of Sex Lives of College Girls, which is on HBO Max, playing the role of Bella Malhotra. Bella Malhotra. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully uh, we get to see her again. She's a great character, and I love uh, what uh, Miss Carr was uh, doing with her in this short. So, Frank, uh, I'm going to ask you the question uh, that we ask every week in addition to who do we blame? Uh, the question is, is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the very first time and they come to this short trek, ask not, is this something that they can skip or is this a must see episode? You know, that's actually a really kind of hard question because. I would say you've got to see it if you want to understand Pike better. Yeah. Um, and I really think that. But at the same time, if Pike really just doesn't interest you like like he does, you know, you and I, then you don't need it. However, I do think it's essential to understand what Starfleet is really being shown as in this new revival. And I really think it's a great way for people to see, you know, what people are put through um, in in kind of a, you know, a test. It, it's a bit hazy, yeah. but uh, it's a test. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it, that is something that kind of stood out to me. A slight tangent is how hazy this seemed. Mm. You know, it did seem kind of un I don't know what you want to call it. Un future progressive like Star Trek is so much about being all-inclusive, all-considerate, all-encompassing, and compassionate. And, and I feel like this kind of strayed a bit from those tenets. But maybe that's because... Actually, why do you think that is? Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that, knowing how it is, uh, again, from a law enforcement perspective, how it is to be working the job sitting there filling out paperwork and then the alarm goes off and now i have to sprint because my friend my coworker my fellow officer is involved in a disturbance of some sort and right. they are outnumbered and i got to get there and i've i've gone i've gone from standing still to full sprinting to get to get to them this is kind of a little bit like that. You know, it's it's odd for these folks because like I just finished saying they are scientists. So they are put in this military type organization, Starfleet, and they are having to jump into being able to take orders under duress and stick to their guns. I came up through the academy uh, police Academy, not Starfleet Academy. Uh, <laughs> but I, when I came through police Academy, I came through folks who uh, I came along with folks who were IT specialists and clerical type folks. There were very few like college athlete types and ex-military types. There were a few of those, but it was average people who just, you know, were just here to do the job. But you have to be able to 
crawl under the fence, climb through the window. You have to be able to sprint for a long way. Uh, you got to be able to, you got to be able to put the holes in the paper, as it were. You got to be able to drive the car. You got to be able to get to the crime scene, not throw up, and then question a survivor, question a victim. You have to be right. able to do all of that stuff at a moment's notice. And seeing that, it was kind of nice because we don't get a lot of glimpses into how Starfleet and how the cadets are trained to operate on a day-to-day -day basis in Starfleet. I think there's only one other instance that I can think of where Deanna Troy was trying to move up in rank and Will Riker was trying to help her through this particular right. scenario. And she was approaching it very empathetically, you know, as a doctor, as someone who helps people. But the key to that test, spoilers for a, for a TNG episode, the thing, the true goal of that test was she actually has to order one of her people to die. Oh, she, right. has to, she has to order them <clears throat> to do yeah. something to save the ship, to save the crew. She has to order someone to die. And that was something that was out of her wheelhouse. But yeah. you got to make that call <laughs> or we're all going to die. <laughs> oh, that's such a great perspective. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, yeah. I it, it does lean into that realm of, I mean, what I was going to say, and I'm so glad you added that was that there is this compassion around preparation and, and you, you went on, you, you took that and you just, yes, yes, all the way. So um, I did kind of want to know from your perspective, how did this change your opinion of, of Pike though? I think it reinforced the idea of he is, he is a, he's a, he's a, he's a thinking man's captain. Um, I've talked uh, at length on the show about the archetypes of the of the main captains, basically Kirk to Janeway. Mm -hmm. Actually, and I'll and I'll I'll include uh, I'll include Archer in that as well. Mm. And I've always seen Kirk as the pirate. Yeah. Um, Picard is the soldier sailor. Benjamin Sisko is the father. Janeway. Uh, for a long time, I considered Janeway the survivor, but I, I, you know, upon further review, I have changed that to Janeway is the shepherd and yeah, Archer, totally. Archer is the explorer uh, in every sense of the word, the gung-ho explorer. Mm. Um, you know, looking at Pike, especially Anson Mount's Pike, because we don't really get, you know, uh, you know, the Pike that is presented in the cage um we that's that's all we get <laughs> that's all we get of him in the in the cage yeah the cage the original pilot episode of the original series oh, oh by, yes yeah yes. um yeah not much there yeah there's not much there there's not much to go on um so this version of pike we get to see that he's not a pirate but he's definitely more empathetic than picard and he's not as He's not as suave and, uh, you know, ladies man ish uh, as Riker. <laughs> um, he is a single guy, so he doesn't really he's not really a father, but he's on the flagship. So he's got more at his disposal than Janeway does, but he's also got a better head on his shoulders. So he's definitely not a new explorer. 
he's he's something else. But we are seeing that the cream rises to the top and fan perspective. And I feel like the writers are kind of like really digging in with Pike and like we're seeing him rapidly ascend the levels of uh, fan favorite captains. He he's 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 getting up there pretty quick too. Yeah, uh, but I as as yeah. as somebody who's gone through, as somebody who has gone through extreme tests under duress, and as someone who has directed someone <laughs> going through uh, those tests under duress, this is a really fascinating. This is a really fascinating short trek. And I, I actually agree with you. To be honest, in the overall narrative, yeah, you can skip it. But if you're looking to get a better glimpse at one, Pike, because this does reveal a little bit more about his character, I think it's a must-see. Yeah. Also, if you're just interested in how Starfleet works, I think this is an, an essential viewing uh, for someone who wants to know, hey, how do I get from civilian to on a starship well you're gonna have to go through some stuff and it's not gonna be easy (laughs) yeah i mean there's so many points that uh you know she could have she could have have been intimidated she could have not known the articles and regulations well enough she could have uh right from the get-go just been like no and like stunned him you know she could have gone any (laughs) route and all of those would have been failure yeah you know, I mean, yeah. knowing Pike, you know, he he wants someone that is going. I mean, she she did exactly what she pretty much needed to. I think. I I don't yeah. think there's any other way she could have done this, and he would have said, you know, yeah, you can be on the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's the flagship. We need the yeah. best of the best of the best. So yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Well. We- uh, do you do you have any? Have we covered everything? Uh, I well, I know it's we definitely covered this episode really well. But one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I'm not yeah. sure if this is something you talk about a lot. Or, I mean, maybe it is. Who knows? But when did start? Like, what is it about Star Trek that made you want to do this podcast? Well, uh, thank you. Not a lot of people have asked me that. Um, <laughs> to be honest. This was not my first idea for a podcast. Oh, don't let the podcast hear that. It wasn't my second idea for a podcast either. Oh no. <laughs> this was down this was down the road. My my first idea for a podcast was actually a Highlander podcast. Oh my uh, gosh. I I love Highlander, man. It's I great. Do. It's just so different. <laughs> um, oh, so and, different and so similar. But yeah, but in terms of fandoms uh, the other one, the second idea was Batman. I was going to do a Batman oh. type, uh, podcast, not in, not the same, the Highlander show would have followed the same structure as this Batman was going to be a little bit different. Uh, but I'll, I'll keep that under my hat for now. But when <laughs> I came to star Trek, uh, I, my fandom had had been growing. I was introduced to TNG very, uh, very early on. Um, I, really still to this day adore TNG. Um, you know, uh, I have a very special place in my heart for Deanna Troy, as many guys <laughs> my age probably do. Uh, but, you know, uh, I've always been very quick to say like Picard was the strong uh, voice, uh, you know, stern, but reassuring voice that I needed as a young man. I really appreciated that. 
Right. Um, so yeah, TNG holds a very special place in my heart. And as I started to branch out and as I started to get a little bit older and appreciate television and film production um, more, of course, you know, getting into uh, the movie podcast that I'm on, Cinema Shock, available now wherever you get your podcast, um, you know, that helped, you know, my appreciation of all this stuff. And then not to mention Star Trek is so steeped in history, not only its own history, but its genesis comes from a very specific place of real world American history. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this, this isn't, uh, this isn't a uh, new ground here, but when it comes to, uh, Star Trek versus Star Wars, I mentioned earlier about, you know, having to pick a camp. Um, but, Star Wars to me is very coming of age, uh, learning who we are as people, breaking away from our parents, walking on our own two feet. Star Trek assumes that you've got that down and says, hey, there's other people in this world. Let's look at the different scenarios of interacting with different people in our world. So it's kind of Star Wars helps you figure out who you are. Star Trek helps you figure out where and how to go that's kind of my thesis that i'm slowly piecing right. together it's, it's not in its final form but you know on the other end there's just so much star trek i was like oh i can talk about star trek oh, for yeah. a while especially if you're <laughs> going to be doing these shorts and yeah. who knows what else oh yeah we're working in some comics we're working in some fan films uh yeah it, it, it's gonna be a really interesting journey uh my my loving adoring very supportive wife who is a financial analyst when before i pulled the trigger on this podcast she said uh how much star trek is there and i said at the time was i was like well we're roughly around 800 episodes and i see the wheels in her head start turning and she goes 15 years you're going to be doing this show for 15 years i was like <laughs> if we're lucky <laughs> she's never let me forget it she's like you and your Star well Trek. okay two years <laughs> down all right there we go we're well on our way but yeah, yeah it, okay. so for, is, it's, for been you. A, it's been a really fascinating uh journey so far and i'm really i've talked with a lot of amazing people yourself included <laughs> and um it's it's i'm really excited to see you know what the coming years have in store for the computer resume podcast. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. I, I just kind of wanted to digest what you said. Cause there's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, this is something I like to do on, on nerdpreneur is, is mm -hmm. get these kind of responses and then just kind of throw them back and see if what I'm hearing is right. So Star Trek, you know, specifically a character you mentioned was, Patrick Stewart's Jean-Luc Picard and how much he was that, you know, fatherly voice, voice of reason and wisdom that you needed at the time. And so you're, you're kind of taking, okay. And okay. So there's that. And then there's the second component that when you add them together, the second component component is how people, Star Trek is for people who have already learned to walk, right? So you have that plus these kind of role model figures and you are doing something that brings it to assuming more people to this, this. You are paying it forward, essentially. You are doing this the way I Trying see to, it. anyway. <laughs> yeah, to like extend it in a way of like, hey, people in the world need these role models like I did. And this is my way to put it back out there 
and and if somebody needs it it's there and i want them to have access and to know because so many people don't so many people are star trek fans and they but they don't know they are they just yeah. haven't found it yet yeah, yeah. and i think i've told, that's, I've told this that's story awesome, a couple dude. thank you i uh i've told the story a couple of times of uh interacting with um Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is a, uh, a a phenomenal comic book writer and uh, and creator, and she had a I'll, I'll paraphrase what she said, but she was asked the question about gatekeeping and levels of fandom, uh, right. which is prevalent in seemingly every fandom that's out there, be it video games, television, uh, comics, films, whatever. Uh, and she said, "Look, if you've read." every comic out there you're and you and you enjoy them then you're a fan if you've read one comic and you enjoyed it you're a fan it, there's nothing wrong there and i've i've taken yeah. that stance with, i've taken that stance with star trek because i have talked on this show so far just in 2 years i've talked with folks who and i'll i'll say the two extremes here i've talked with folks who have watched everything in its original run <laughs> that has ever existed of star trek and they wow. are they are fans i've also talked with hey i saw that jj abrams movie i love star trek <laughs> they're, they're a fan too like, oh, that's great. and and that's kind of what this show is is we are taking this entire franchise and yes it was produced at very different times throughout television production history but now we have this narrative. And so I said, let's, you know what, let's, let's go through it in chronological order so that anybody can jump on and follow the story as we go through the entire franchise from, from the NX01 to the discovery refit, like all of yeah. it. I, I and really, it's been a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. I mean, kind of what you're doing is this shepherd archetype mixed with a explorer archetype um and there's this it's really cool that that you are doing this in a way that because i think nerds in their core a nerd like a, a, a nerd as a force for good is someone mm. that shares it and someone that's like i found this awesome thing look look how cool this is don't yeah. you think it's cool like kids on the playground and then another kid might say, no, I don't really care. That's stupid or whatever. Okay. That's not, it's not for them. But then another okay. kid might go like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And then you have a friend and then you've got someone else who's a nerd with you. And then it yeah. just grows and you have a community from there. And I think it's just really awesome that you're doing that because I, I hardly get to talk about Trek with people and, <laughs> and not only being on here is awesome, but the idea of spreading it to more people just gets me really excited. Oh yeah. It's anytime I interact with anybody on social media or those rare instances where I, where I meet somebody in real life uh, <laughs> and, we're, and we're able to, uh, we're able to connect on Star Trek. It's such a, it's such a heartwarming experience for me. I really, really enjoy hearing the stories of like, you know what? I discovered it when I was, you know, single digits, or I used to watch it with my dad or, or my mom or my grandparents or, uh, you know what? I remember going to that first movie and sitting next to my significant other and shedding a tear <laughs> like those stories. I adore those stories. And I've heard a lot of different versions of the same one. I 
don't care. I love it every single time. It's such, I get, I'll admit, I'm kind of selfish when it comes to this. I want people to come on and tell me these stories. And yeah, (laughs) I I end up putting it out in the world. But honestly, I think I get just as much, if not more out of it than the audience. Yeah, that's the coolest part about podcasting is getting to talk to different people and hear their different stories. I mean, yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else before we start to wrap it up? I feel like, hmm. I think that's, I know, I think that's a great place. I think great. it's a great place to wrap it. Well, if you've got any parting thoughts uh, about the, about the short, about uh new Trek, about the franchise, about your experience on this show, any parting thoughts before we, uh, before we hit the next week preview. This has just been really fun. Honestly. Yeah. It's just great. been really fun. I mean, I was so excited when you came on to our show and talking about star Trek and I knew Chris was just going to be like, okay, here they go. And, and <laughs> that is kind of what happened, but I mean, we talked so much about so much more, but uh, yeah, I mean, getting to come onto your show and be a part of this and talk about Trek is just great. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Well, folks, small in stature, big in heart. That's right, folks. Next week, we will welcome back to the show our most frequent female guest, the lovely and talented Ren Sims. We'll be here to discuss Discovery Season 2, Episode 3, Point of Light, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Frank, where can people find Nerdpreneur and all your work online, and where can people bother you directly on the internet? Yes, I would say the project to highlight right now would be Nerdpreneur Podcast. That is the project I do with Chris. We are co-hosts. We are on every episode together, and we talk with nerds who turn their passions into money-making businesses. And you can find that at Nerdpreneur Pod on Twitter and Nerdpreneur Podcast on Instagram, as well as YouTube and Facebook and anywhere that you get podcasts. As for myself, where you could find the various projects I do whenever I do them, including the many videos I've created over the years as an actor or behind the camera, my Twitter is Frank. R Bailey I V. I have not changed that in a really long time. I'm a little embarrassed. It's still that way. That's from my acting days, folks. Uh, Frank R Bailey I V. And it's a mouthful, but it's there and it's all mine. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. Live long and prosper. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. 
The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?